We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, my mother, Isabel Shear. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dave. I love you. I love you, too. How old are you now, Mom? I'm 86. 86 years old. My goodness. She's a great mom. She's been a wonderful mom my entire life. And she has really been an inspiration to me. A woman of God, always sharing her testimony with people and loving people with the love of Christ everywhere she goes and everybody she meets. Today, I'm going to get you to share your story, Mom. Okay. I was born in pre-war, 1935, on a kitchen table of my father's parents and delivered by a country doctor. Then I was raised on a farm where my parents lived when the Air Force took over, my other grandparents' farm. In traveling to B.C. to escape the loss of my grandparents' property, my mother's father was killed in a motor accident. The Air Force used the property for training. We had couples living in our house as housing on the base was scarce. My parents attended a small church with my grandparents, who were Christians. My mother accepted the Lord when my sister was a baby. My daddy never did. I heard about Jesus in Sunday school, but never took the challenge to seek him, even though I tried to find God in the clouds. I would perch on a rock and talk to God, but I couldn't find him, or I couldn't see him. I was taught to trust friends and family. One day, I was visiting a couple in the city who used to live in our house. The man sexually abused me when his wife was out shopping. He was the father of two children. I didn't expect this, and I didn't know what was going on. I'd never been taught. I never told anyone about this, not even my mom, who I thought would punish me for lying. I had been the receiver of the strap for being bad a few times. When we moved to the city after my daddy got sick in 1945, that was post-war, I grew up into a teenager and was very popular with the boys. My visual of boys was to date and trust them with my care. As I grew older, thus said, I became used to having sex with some of them. We only went to church sometimes. Mom was working and not always home because she would take jobs out of town where she had to live. My dad drove for a laundry company picking up dirty clothes. He brought home some bed bugs on his clothing and we had to have our house fumigated. Nasty things who bit my legs in my bed. After high school and business college, 
I took a job at a bank. This was when I was introduced to alcohol at work parties and took up smoking cigarettes. I was challenged by a co-worker to take a drink. My daddy was a drinker when mom met him and came home drunk one night to my grandparents' house. My grandpa called his wife to make some coffee and make it strong. Then they laid hands on him and prayed that he would never drink that poison again. Even then, they knew the power of God through prayer and reading the Bible. My grandpa read the Bible every day. I heard this story many times and his leery of that poison. He did not drink again, but later got stomach ulcers from chewing tobacco and working around the barnyard sludging out cow manure. They didn't know about giving antibiotics for infections in those days. I loved to go to the beach at Port Stanley on the electric train, the LNPS. One day in June, three of my friends rented a cottage and we partied. While walking up the boardwalk, I happened to meet a friend who introduced me to a buddy. We all went to the beer parlor and continued to party. This buddy and I connected, and I felt he was the one I had been dreaming of. The next week, he called me for a date to go dancing with another couple. Well, I was ecstatic. We dated all summer, and at the wiener roast on the beach, he proposed to me. At Christmas, while visiting my sister's place in Sarnia, he gave me my engagement ring right in front of my family. That was when we planned our July 13th for our wedding, 1957. I had a cousin ministering at a small Christian church who agreed to perform the ceremony. During our courtship, we continued to drink and smoke at dances and get-togethers. My father and Don became friends, sitting on the porch, smoking and chatting. My mother wasn't convinced that she really liked Don. After a trip with us to Sarnia, we were coming home and stopped in Lambeth when she told Dad to let him off here. She didn't want to take him to his house at East London. I was angry and disappointed. That was mother. We had discontinued going to church, but I sometimes went with my boyfriend to his parents' house in London when I spent weekends with them. They were very accepting of me, and I fit right in with his siblings. I learned more ways to be sociable, watching television, wrestling on Saturday nights, and eating homemade fudge his mother whipped up. Don and I lived in an apartment in London. My dad helped me move furniture they gave up from their house up the long stairs. It, I had transferred to the London branch at the bank. Shortly after our marriage and moving to London, my daddy went to the hospital with a stroke. He had been sick in the spring with phlebitis. I became pregnant right away after settling into our new home. I was able to visit my dad and tell him about his new grandchild. He was very happy. He passed away in four months. I was devastated. I remember asking my husband if he thought my dad was in heaven. He said, of course, dear, he was a good man. I was satisfied. That spring, I had a baby girl who was now my consolation. My mom later told me daddy had seen Jesus in his hospital room. He then asked for the minister to come and see him. He accepted Jesus into his heart on his dying bed. Inside of seven years, we had three more children who were well-christened in the church. We were church-going people now, but still drank and smoked. It wasn't until our oldest son started acting out against the law and ended up in jail in Calgary for a week that the Lord brought to our attention that we should take care of our spiritual life. He was charged with break and enter. We had mailed him a check at Christmas, which he had used to buy liquor. During that long time of a week, Don was at an insurance conference in Winnipeg. I had to fend for myself, going through the university library to find a lawyer that would help our son. I phoned the lawyer, and he asked for $1,000 as a retainer, so I telegraphed it to him. 
I then spent the next few days in my house, wrestling and bargaining, asking God to release him from all charges, and I would give him my life. Don also was on his knees in his hotel room, asking God to take his life and renew it. God now had us in the palm of his hand. Both prayers were answered. Stephen came home free of charges. They were dropped. The rest of our kids, one by one, accepted the Lord and practiced that old-time religion. Next, David, who was married to a Christian girl and had a son and was going to church, he was filled with a spirit at a Jesus fest and came home with great joy. Then our oldest daughter and her husband found Christ at a Mike Wernke concert at a local high school. Then our youngest daughter returned with her husband from Toronto to visit a church ministered by a friend from his hometown. They renewed their faith and found more, a church family. So when I was at the United Church, each of our four kids were baptized by water immersion. So was I, some in tanks, some in the river, some in a swimming pool. It didn't matter where as long as Jesus was there. When each of my children went through a crisis with cancer, miscarriages, or drugs, or alcohol, it brought us down on our knees in prayer. Then there were separations, divorces, deaths, and funerals. Again, we had to rely on God. We were in a good Bible-believing church and learning in Bible studies. Sharing with others in our group made it feasible to accept in faith. God was always with us through it all. In 1980, on New Year's Eve, my husband and I made a decision to stop drinking and smoking. It was hard for my husband sometimes, but I prayed for him to find the taste of cigarettes bitter. It worked. When my husband passed over to Heaven's Land in 2007, after fighting with melanoma cancer for two years, I found myself as a widow at 72. Support was with friends, church, and family. Then, in 2015, my oldest son passed to Gloryland with necronizing fasciitis. He was only 55 years. I still dream about both of them, my husband and my son. That's a gift from God. Well, that's quite a life story, Mom. Just seeing God's Spirit on you and knowing who you are and the love that you've given us all and sharing that with all the people listening today. I'm hoping that it touches somebody's spirit, somebody's heart, Mm -hmm. and draws them to Christ. Me too. Do you have a favorite Bible verse you would like to share with us? I have several. One is, bring up your children knowing Jesus, and they will seek him for themselves and never leave him. Another one, lean not on your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge him. Then there's cast all your troubles on him, for he cares for you. In Luke of the Bible, it says to give up your own way and to take up the cross, then follow him. If you gain the whole world, yet lose your very own soul. Then what happens? I don't know. <laughs> if you gain the whole world and lose your very own soul, what would it profit a man? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. Just a note. Yeah. Have faith and write out your life's journey in a notebook. And when you are old, you will have understanding of your memories. Try to separate the bad from the good and throw out the bad with the dirty bath water, but keep the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember that expression. Grandma used to always say, don't throw out the baby with the bath water. (laughs) Eat the meat and spit out the bones. And you had all those sayings. Yeah. And there was so much truth to a lot of that stuff, you know. Eat the peach and throw the pit away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember that one, but... (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Just a final thought? Well, I hope that something in this testimony can serve a purpose. It did for me, and we don't have all the answers. When you die, you can ask Jesus whatever you want to ask him then. 
right now you just have to have faith and go with the peace that you've been given. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, so rely on him. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yep, I remember, you know, becoming a Christian and then watching the you and Dad change over to being Christians, and everything changed. You know, right? You, it never went back. We certainly did change. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad in the business world and sharing his faith with people, and you sharing your faith with so many family and friends and people. And I'd like to thank you too for always being supportive of me in my journeys, in my walks, and always having my back, Mom. No problem. <laughs> I love you. That's what we're here for, is to help our children. So, Mom, we're going to play a little bit of a song that you wrote called I've Never Walked This Way Before. That song was given to you by the Lord. What year was that? In the 1980s. During the 1980s, what was happening? We lived in Chatham in an apartment. Don had been working with in Montreal Life, and things weren't going very well with his job. And we wanted to go back to London. And uh, I was coming from the grocery store, and I thought, we used to live here before. I wonder what it would have been like if we were Christians then. Then I thought, well, this is the way it is now. And the words just came to me. I've never walked this way before. So the words came, and there was more words and more words. And I got home, and I just said them to my husband, and he cried. He said, that is so beautiful, honey. He says, I just love that. I said, well, it just came all of a sudden, and the music, too. Beautiful. It's such an inspiring song about never walking the way you walked, you know, and it's a new path for you, a new journey, mm -hmm. and God just ministered to your heart with those words, and we're going to play that, and hopefully someone will be blessed by that. I know they will. Thanks, Dave. Well, God bless you, Mom. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Refuge Freedom Stories. Isabel Louise Shearer, 86 years old, and her life story. Thanks, Mom, for sharing. Bye-bye. This way before to some far off.
And now a few words from Alan Campbell about Refuge Ministries Canada. Refuge Ministries Canada started when I was invited to share my testimony from accepting the Lord at 19 in Millhaven Penitentiary to be interviewed on 100 Humpy Street. As a result of this interview, I was invited by a local church in Spruce Grove, Alberta to share my testimony at the Edmonton Young Offender Detention Center where a 12-year-old boy whose role models were Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson accepted the Lord. Leaving the youth jail that Tuesday night, I got on an airplane to fly back to London realizing that nothing was being done to support him, disciple him, and mentor him when he was released. That is how Refuge Ministries Canada started. I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website, at www.refugeministriescanada.com 
or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.